Hey, good morning, Nashville, or should I say Smashville. Whoop, whoop. Officially on the NHL scene, I think, throughout America. Put everybody in the NHL world on notice. Did the Predators this past couple of weeks, man. They have been looking phenomenal. Man, man, man. I mean, I just can't get enough of them, man. Oh, it's awesome. It is insane, Jimmy. What do you What do you say, man? Are you a hockey guy? Not so much, but I think it's great that our hometown team is killing it. Dude, they are more than killing it. I, I, I don't think anybody gave them a chance to get even past the Blackhawks, much less sweeping them like they did. And, man, that physical bout they played with St. Louis. Woo! It's great. Were great you guys series. living here like in 98 when they first started? Yes. One of the things they did is they said, if we don't sell 12,000 season passes, we're not going to bring hockey to Nashville. Yes. And they sold out like that. Yes. I have some friends that got tickets season probably right right about then too, maybe you know a couple of years later. But their seats now, you know, because you're grandfathered in and they pay their prices lot locked from when they bought yeah. it. Oh wow! Didn't and know their that. tickets are like twenty bucks a game, uh-uh. where you know, which now they're like so much more than right. That. Yeah. Holy cow! Isn't that crazy? That is. And they, she was like, every game this season was sold out. Oh yeah, it's insane. I mean, it's. To, to, to hear all the good press and for everybody to truly get it, because we have a bunch of people that are up in Chicago, Milwaukee, and they're like, "Do you guys even have any hockey fans down there?" Because just like, <laughs> can you can you even keep the ice frozen? Because I think you're in the South, you can't keep ice. Like, right. Come on, shut up, man. It's not really. Like that. Yeah, exactly. Really, but yet they to hear everybody talk about how loud it is in Bridgestone. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like they don't get it. But now, man. I'm glad to see that the Preds are getting the the respect they deserve, and they're agreed. Definitely have made it, man. I do uh, always wonder how they do how the ice thing works. Like, do they just put a floor over that when there's other events, and then they open it, and the ice is there? I'm not mistaken. There's something under it that helps cool it, but yet they pull it out for every event. If I'm not mistaken, okay. Could be totally wrong. That'd be something good to Google. Jimmy? I don't I don't know. You don't know? I mean, I know they can drain it, but I don't know if they would. I think it would take probably several days to do yeah. that. So yeah. if they had an event that wasn't a hockey game, then they may not they have time. they do all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And plus, you've got to be able to pull the ice out to change the graphics for whatever's going on. I don't know. I don't know. We need we need to have a call in from somebody at Bridgestone. Yeah, there you go. Right. <laughs> call up in this place. <laughs> Yay, man. This is the Money Man Mike Show via the Preds. Hey, man, there, you you got to be talking about the Preds these days in Nashville, man. It's just the town is all about the Preds. But we're going to talk about some real estate today up in here. It's going to be Andrew Brewer from Benchmark Realty. I was going to say, if you don't tell somebody what our show is soon, they're going to think we're a sports show. Because uh, we're really not. We, I think, we talk about real estate. We just get off subject a lot. I don't think there's any radio station or TV station you turn on these days that's not talking about the Preds. That's true. I mean, it's Preds, 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 Preds. Yeah. But yeah, we're going to talk about some real estate up in here. It's uh, Last week's show, if you missed us, we talked a lot about some um, uh, home buyers, uh, not home buyers, but uh, affordable housing. We got our own in-house expert, David Lukey, with uh, Capital Homes, and then we had Earl Robinson join us, and he is uh, the president of Innovative Builder Solutions, uh, and um, he's uh, he does news home sales and marketing and all that good stuff for 
his entity up there out of Delaware and Maryland, Pennsylvania. I mean, just the whole eastern seaboard, you know, area. And they they now refer to it up there as workforce housing. And he has a ton of experience of affordable housing, how it starts, how it evolves, and all that good stuff. So we really were talking about that and how he viewed affordable housing here in Nashville as it is today and what they're proposing and how he thought it was going to proceed. So if you missed anything about last week's show, go out on the intranet. Intranet, geez. Thinking about work. Internet. (laughs) (laughs) Always on the intranet at work. Um, I'm all crazy today. I'm wound up over those preds, man. They're all just... mm. Facebook. Money Man Mike. Why are you laughing at me over there? (laughs) Andrew's over there making all these faces at me. Facebook, Money Man uh, Mike Radio, or out on the internet at Money Man Mike uh, .net. Again, Money Man Mike .net, or on Facebook at Money Man Mike Radio. You can listen to any of our previous shows we recorded. Got some outtakes. So when you have the bloopers behind the scenes and we're joking and cutting up on each other, or Andrew's rolling her eyes like she is over there right now, (laughs) calling you out. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) No comment. No comment. You got to go to the website. But anyway, yeah, this week, man, we're going to get into some cool cool stuff because, man, I'm always being asked, what are rates going to do? What are rates going to do? That magic crystal ball. Yeah, I know, man. It's like if I had that crystal ball, would I be talking to you? Right. Yeah. It's like, no. But, I mean, I'm going to give you a little insight of what – we're seeing what we're looking at um, based on, you know, just all the economic data and give you a little idea of what, you know, we think is going to happen over the next several months uh, going into uh, early 2018. We're also going to get into um, the lingo. A lot of times people buy a home and, you know, Andrew and I as real estate professionals, we sometimes get caught up in our own talk, our own industry chatter. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we talk about things, and Jimmy will bust us on and say, hey, what's, what's that, that mean? Yeah. He even had to come up with his own little alert, five-alarm fire sound or whatever it was, you know, when David and I are talking stuff. and You guys must be scared of that because here lately you've been explaining everything in detail. Dude, we you don't, don't, hear we don't want to get alarmed. No, no alarms. <laughs> don't want to get called out, man. But, yeah, we get, we get caught up in the lingo, but at the same time, sometimes people just don't understand it like we do, which we get. Right. We do this every day. Exactly. So we're going to cover some lingo real quick, and then we're also going to get into the uh, cost of waiting. And with today's market the way it is, not only do you have to worry about the housing prices going up, you've got to worry about rates going up. Mm -hmm. And you've got a double-edged sword there between the prices going up and it just insane gangbuster pace. I mean, it's just like, I don't even, I mean, what? How, what are you guys pricing houses at these days? I mean, how, how do you price them? Some of them are like 2% increase every month. 2% from month to month. Some, I mean, some areas. It's insane. It is insane. But when we get back from this break, we're going to get into all that. We're going to go uh, jump into the lingo, get into what we think rates are going to do, and just dive into all this stuff. So, been listening to the Money Man Mike show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. We'll be right back. Go, Preds.
Hey, welcome back to News Radio 1510 WLAC. You are listening to the Money Man Mike Show, where we talk all things real estate and the Prince up in here. Hey, before the break, we were getting into some of the topics for today and you know, talking about appreciation here in Nashville and rates going up and so forth. And then, you know, I asked Andrew during the break, what about sellers, man? You know, how are how are sellers going about pricing their houses or how are sellers wanting to wanting you as a realtor to price their house these days with what they're hearing in the market? Too high. <laughs> I mean, some of them are more like, okay, you're the realtor, you're the expert, I don't know, guide me. And some of them are getting a little greedy, I'm going to be honest with you. All right. So, I mean, I have a few, things are selling really quickly. If you're in an area where it's hard to find a house and yours is moving ready to go and it's awesome and Turnkey. it checks all the boxes, yep. then it's probably going to sell in a less than a week. Right. If it's priced right. Right. But there's some people that are like, well, somebody's going to buy it, so let's ask 20 grand too much or 10 grand too much. Well, and, what's priced right though? What what the comp based on the comps and what I think it'll appraise for? Yes, or but or maybe a little under that. Bingo. And then talk about the strategy that's been played out with a lot of how you guys will take and just slightly price it a little bit below value and how that's kind of counterintuitive in this market because everyone hears, oh, such and such a house sold for over this. And then you think you've got to start above right. your, your market value to get there. But yet you really want to start slightly below and how that starts that feeding frenzy or that bidding frenzy. Absolutely. If you price it a little bit under People that are looking in that area are going to see it because they've been studying. They've probably missed out on a few houses already. Right. So they're, they know what things cost. Unless you're a brand new buyer, you pretty much know what things in the area you're looking in cost. Right. A house pops up. It's five grand, ten grand less than what you kind of think. Oh, this looks like a good deal. We better go see it. Well, if you think that, you and 20 other people thought that and you're all there and yeah. you're all trying to buy it. And then you go up, you know, it's listed for 300 but it should have been 315 And you're like, oh, my God. So then you're offering, well, I'm going to offer 310 And then there's another offer. I'm going to offer 315 And that's how you get the price up. So that's how you create the frenzy of people going to see your listing. So how do you explain it to a buyer that, hey, you're about to have your feelings just crushed because – you know the chances of winning that bid or that offer, and even though you do an outstanding job with your stuff, you don't win them all. I mean, how do you how do you just prepare them for it? Every buyer I have now, I tell them straight out of the gate. I say, look, it's a seller's market. I'm going to be honest with you. You, it's hard. You, we may we may try to buy five or six houses before we get one. It's very competitive. I was like, the days of going and looking at five or six houses and spending your Saturday boot scooting around, that's over. You're going to go look at everything available in a week, and then you're waiting on every house that lists, and you're going to one at a time. And that's just pretty <laughs> much the name of the game right now. So I think setting realistic expectations for what, you know, instead of people thinking, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. If they think that they're going to just walk in and write an offer and they're going to get it, then their their realtor is not guiding them correctly. Right. I mean, because you're dealing with a lot of people that have cash, too. The yeah. amount of people in cash blows my mind here. Yeah. I mean, insane. you know, it's like a $300,000 house, and they're like, oh, well, the offer's cash. I'm like, well, who's got that kind of money? But people do. Well, think about it. If you're, sitting, you're seeing this appreciation like it is, because we're seeing the same deal where – 
you and I've worked on clients and they bought their house, you know, two, three, four, five years ago. And they're and making a lot of money on it. Exactly. But the problem is you're making a lot, but everything you're making, you're putting into what you're buying True. because it's just as expensive. True. So it's like it's a wash almost. Yeah. It's a great time to sell and go live in the middle of nowhere and pay nothing for a house. <laughs> but if you're just trying to sell your house and buy another house, the buy part is the first thing I say when I go to a listing appointment now is where are you planning on going? You about to be you home. You have a game plan of where you're going when this house sells because right. it'll sell and you're going to have like 30 days to figure that out. I'm going to make you homeless. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that, my, my new slogan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's stressful. I don't think people get it. I don't. You, you were talking about the middle of nowhere. You know, in a few years, middle of nowhere is probably going to be the middle of everything. Uh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because this town, as we know, is growing leaps and bounds. We were talking about it last week, an article about um, the, the estimated population between now and 2020. We're, greater Nashville is like a million and a half, and then we're mm-hmm. talking two million. So 25% growth in three years, which I can't really wrap my brain around that. Yeah. But if that actually happens, mm-hmm. these folks got to live somewhere. Yeah. Absolutely. I got a call today from a lady who's like, I just have a couple questions, and they're they're selling their house in Texas, and she said, but we, we have an RV that my husband works out of, and we're going to kind of just live in it, and hmm. we have a P.O. box. Can I even get a loan without a permanent address? And I was like, hmm. I, I don't really know the answer to that, but I'm going to send you my letter. <laughs> but I said, you know, well, where are you thinking of moving? And she said, well, I really like Columbia, and we like Franklin, but we probably are priced out of there. And, you know, she kind of went over some areas. She's been here. She knew. And she said, I'd like to be, you know, like 45 minutes from being able to come into the city. And I was like, well, if you're talking about driving from Columbia (laughs) during any kind of traffic, that ain't happening. Right. That's not 45 minutes. Yeah. I was like, that's a haul. Yeah. I was thinking about living in Walmart parking lot. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, Jimmy. Walmart should do that. You know, it'd be like a campground. You have electricity and water hookup. Dude, they basically do it now. (laughs) Well, then you just go walk, you know, walk across the parking lot to get your groceries. Dude, that's a business opportunity to miss. I'm telling you. Hey, have you ever driven through the um, little lights at Jellystone at Christmas? There's That's people cool. that live in there permanently. That's I mean, true. Wow. They do there's live a there. lot of people that have like porches yeah. that are built and permanent. That's true. So I was like, they like live up in Jellystone. <laughs> but it's a KO. Is it KOA? Yeah, KOA. Yeah, it is a KOA. Yeah. yeah. That is insane. But you know, speaking of which, you know, what are, what do you think about tiny houses? Is that a, I mean, I know they make tiny houses, and for the most part, they make them on trailers, so they don't have to have a building permit. Right. But is that something that that's viable for folks that can't afford a three or four hundred thousand dollar home? I think it's going to be in the future. I actually saw today a realtor I personally know had posted on one of my little realtor forums a tiny house he's trying to sell. I really? think for forty nine grand. Really? 45, 49, super, super cute. I mean, these are like, you know, they're kind of, they're smaller than an actual mobile home and they're really neat designed and efficient. But you know what kills me is like every person I sell a house to say, okay, I bought my first house and it's 1,500 square feet. Well, I've outgrown it. Now I need 2,000 square feet. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you buy, you're going to end up finding crap to fill it. So oh, yeah. can you imagine living in like a, 400 square foot tiny house. But I'm I'm going to challenge you on that because think about who's living or who's relocating here. It's people that have lived in shoe boxes. Yes, it's yeah. these big big monstrous cities like New York, San Francisco mm-hmm. and so forth. They're like my rent's a $1000 and it's 200 square feet. Right. And and I've seen these shows done where they've done these little studio apartments that are like I mean, everything just doubles for something else or triples for mm-hmm. something else. 
and they just maximize the usage. And it's just like, holy cow, how do you get that much use? Mm-hmm. But yet they do. So we can have a whole subdivision and call it Tiny Town. You know what? I just a light bulb, ding ding. My my very best friend is like obsessed with tiny houses. Like she has literally bought plans and wants to build one, and is like been looking for somebody to build it. And mm. I'm like, well, where are you going to put it? So I've been looking for land, and she's like, well, if you ever buy your land, I'm gonna put my tiny house on. And <laughs> I, I could just set up tiny house lots That's on my right. property. Yeah. Hey, why not? It's a thought. I gotta get the property first, but. Dude, could you? Oh. It's the same thing as a mobile home park. I know. I mean, it's the exact same business concept. Yeah, it is. Tiny town. That's a good one. Dude, we're going to see a show about Andra in the future. Andra and tiny town. We're going to need to stop talking about it on the radio. I'll have the giant house in the back that... Like the Lord that oversees. She'll have the giant house down. in the back, the one thousand square foot <laughs> yeah. house. Yeah, the the one thousand. Yeah. I, I don't need that much space in my house, but like our problem where we live now is we don't have places to park stuff, and we have work vehicles, and you know my husband has like multiple. You know we have a, yeah, boats and RV trucks and work vans, and we need. I need space to park stuff. That's yeah. why I want land. Yeah, it's you, it's. It's just, I think, the American way, and I don't, I don't think it's the, anything about the South by any means, but I think it's just American way to spread out. But man, here in Nashville, man, there's just you run out of space. Yeah, we're growing. Absolutely, no doubt about it. Every time you drive into this city, new skyscraper, new towers, new cranes. I mean, it's just insane how much this place Absolutely. is growing. Hey, we got to jump out to a break. When we get back, we're going to talk about the cost of waiting. You take the combination of the appreciation and slap on a little bit of higher interest rate how much is it going to cost you to wait you've been listening to the money man mike show here on news radio 1510 wlac we'll be right back hey welcome back to news radio 1510 wlac you are listening to the money man mike show we're talking all things real estate and what is the cost of waiting yeah You take the appreciation that we are seeing here in Nashville, but in certain pockets, it's insane. I mean, it's just not even fair to use some of the numbers we're seeing here. But let's just use a conservative number from CoreLogic. And CoreLogic is a more of a nationwide projection, and they sample literally, I mean, just it's it's. CoreLogic's owned by First American, which is a title insurance company, and basically they are involved with so many of the real estate closings nationwide that they're able to pool tons and tons and tons of data and and come up with these kind of numbers. So this is a solid number to work with, and they're just showing a 4.9% appreciation rate, okay? And here in Nashville, what would you say we're seeing? 10. Mm-hmm. Okay. 10. So we're using less than half. So 4.9 appreciation. And let's say today's rates are 4%. Freddie Mac is projecting in 2018, rates will be somewhere around 4.8. So you take a $250,000 house today at 4%, the principal and interest before taxes and insurance would be $1,196. $1,196. Next year, 4.8, the house itself just went from $250,000 to 
to $262,250 through the 4.9 appreciation rate. Okay. And now your payment at the higher rate is at $1,375. So you've got an increase of $179 a month just by waiting. Not only did your house price go up, your interest rate went up. Now you have an annual increase of $2,154 and over 30 years, $64,000. Yeah. $64,000. Now, you use that as your general rule of thumb for every $250,000. Apply it to a $750,000 house. Now your cost of waiting went up to five hundred. Uh, five hundred. Uh, actually, your cost of waiting per month is five hundred thirty-eight dollars per month. So you went from costing yourself one hundred seventy-nine dollars per month to now five hundred thirty-eight dollars per month. Wow, is that not crazy? Mm-hmm. And you just think about it. You went from four four percent to four point eight, and you're only talking about a four point eight percent appreciation rate. Yet here in Asheville. We're seeing about 10. Mu- yeah, it's much higher. So the cost of waiting, especially here in Nashville, can be very pricey, very Absolutely. expensive. And so. the rates are crazy low right now, correct? Like historically low. Yeah, rates rates are historically low. They're not they're not at the historically low point where they you know the bottom, if you will. Right. But yet, I mean, they're so close to where that bottom was. They're still fantastic in the grand scheme of things. But they've been that way for quite a while. Yes. And that's at at some point, that's going to change. Yes. When you look at rates over the last four decades, rates are by far at historic levels. And what a lot of people don't understand is where rates come from. And rates, this is going to be a little complex. I'm always a little concerned about trying to talk about this on the radio or over the phone with somebody because most people don't understand that rates are tied to Wall Street. Mm-hmm. Just as your 401k or your retirement account, it goes up and down. It changes every day because of the way stocks and bonds trade on Wall Street. The same thing happens with mortgage bonds because mortgage bonds are traded on Wall Street, and that's what is actually sold to generate mortgage rates. And mortgage bonds are sold because us as lenders do not have an endless supply of money. So we take and bundle, you know, hundreds of mortgages together, sell them through Fannie and Freddie, which are the big agencies, and they securitize them into mortgage-backed securities, mortgage bonds, and they sell them on Wall Street. And as they are sold out there on Wall Street, the way they perform – And the way they get sold is how we get our money back, and the way they perform is how we see rates. So with all that being said, and with the way the the Fed meets, uh, because everyone hears in the news, the Federal Reserve met this week, or the Federal Reserve is meeting next week, or whatever the case may be, the Federal Reserve left interest rates unchanged, or they're they're changing the rates. You always hear that kind of stuff. Well, the Federal Reserve basically meets every um, six weeks, typically about eight times a year. And... Our belief is towards the end of the year, they are going to start selling some of the mortgage bonds that they have purchased. And what that's going to do on Wall Street is it's going to take a big buyer that the government has been because the government's been buying bonds. So they've been buying all these bonds out on the Wall Street 
and it's been stabilizing the supply and demand. Simple supply and demand. Now all of a sudden you take a big buyer and you bank them a seller, you disrupt that supply and demand. Now you've got to let the fair market work. So we anticipate at the end of the year, once you start to see that buyer pull out of the out of the market, we'll probably see rates start to tip up because you're going to have an abundance of mortgage bonds pushed down the market, and we're going to have to see do other foreign investors step in to buy them, and you know how does that work? How does that play out? You're over there like, hmm, that's deep, Mike. That is, I, was, <laughs> I was more like. <laughs> It's, it's, I'm just kidding. It's all from the weeds, but man, it's it's really where you know when people ask, where do you see rates going? And you're like, I, there's no way to. I mean, I guess you see, you can forecast that you think they're going to go up at the end of the year. Yeah, and you know, I always like it when people say, "Well, they're they're going to do this." Well, why? And well, that's just just because. Well, <laughs> well no, there there is no just because. Right. Why? And if, you, if you're talking to somebody that can't tell you why, then you're probably talking to the wrong person because there is a reason why rates are doing what they're doing and the reason why rates will do what they're going to do in the future and all the stuff you hear in the news, how that affects rates. So if you've got any questions, definitely give us a call. But uh, it's, it's a little bit more complex than what a lot of people think. But yet at the same time, we can help you explain it to you. But to summarize it all, if you're in the market, you Make a think, move now. Yeah, if you're thinking about getting in the market, don't wait. Do it. Because at any given time, something can happen, and the chances of the rates going lower is minimal versus the the significant chances of the rates going up or, in, or, or much higher. I mean, it's just... What is your uh, what is your home loan locked in at rate? Do you know? Do what? What is your rate on your on your personal home? Uh, you don't want to know. Really high? No, I actually did a adjustable rate. Oh, so you got the you got a good deal. Yeah. Okay. A lot of people are scared of adjustable rates because they adjust. Yeah. But yet, at the same time, how many people actually stay in their house more than ten years? That's true. And it's you buy. It's almost like a car in some regards. People think about, well, why would I want to buy buy a car when I trade out of it every three to four years? So then they start doing the lease approach. Mm. And some people like it, some people don't. Why are you paying for a 30-year fixed rate if you're not going to be in the house for 30 years? Because that's the least amount of payment. That's what? That's the least amount of payment, too. Well, Your payment's lower, right? It's, it is. Well, depending on mortgage insurance and all that stuff. But. Right. And here, here's a late with the with the rates being so low, the the arms, the adjustable rates haven't been as attractive because the fixed rate late the fixed rate the fixed mortgage rate say that ten times fast geez have not um, there hasn't been such a spread they've been really close they're similar at numbers yeah they're very similar we've got to jump out to a break real quick when we come back I'm going to talk about when they start to you know, when the market starts to correct and the you know the natural supply and demand starts to play out, we're going to see um, a spread occur, and uh, we'll talk about why an arm becomes a very attractive thing at that point. Been listening to the Money Man and Mike Show here on News Radio fifteen ten. We'll be right back.
Hey, welcome back to News Radio 1510 WLAC. You are listening to the Money Man Mike Show, where we talk all things real estate. Before the break, we were talking about a fixed rate mortgage versus an adjustable rate. And, you know, adjustable rates just get a bad rap, and you hear a lot of negative things about them. And some, some's fair. Not, not all of it's fair, though. I personally have an adjustable rate just simply because I know how to use it. I, I'm not scared of it. I know how it works. Um, my mortgage actually, my mortgage payment actually decreased a year and a half ago by 200 bucks. Okay, for those of us who are a little confused about adjustable rate, is it locked in at any point? Is there because I've heard of like a five year? Is that typical or? That's correct. There's all sorts of different adjustable rates. You can either have one that adjusts every month, which there's a lot of risk in that. You can do a um, three month, six month, one year, but the common ones are the one year where it's fixed, three, five, seven, and a ten. So if you if you took out a five, a seven, or a ten, that means if you've got a five one arm, you've got a fixed rate. Your payment will not change for five years. Okay. So if you're or if you're a professional, it gets transferred around every two to three years. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. You've got a fixed rate mortgage essentially for the next five years, and you're good. Okay. I think a lot of the reason they have such a bad raps because back when you know the economy, when people could just show their driver's license and buy a house, and <laughs> everybody in the world would thought they were mortgage people or whatever. People would get into these loans that they didn't fully understand. Yes. And then when their rate would change and the economy's going down, <clears throat> and you don't have the money to make that difference. That, you know, people would freak out and, you know, the economy went down and all yeah. these people were locked into these loans that were not, you know, good for their job or, you know, their lifestyle. Yeah. And the other part of it was is a lot of those loans had uh, prepayment penalties, which are illegal these days. So they couldn't get out of the loans, even if they wanted to get out of the loans. That was all part of the subprime, the Alt-A, all that stuff's gone um, and rightfully so. And there was a lot of you know, income qualifications that aren't available today, which is another good thing. I mean, we used to be able to, you know, you know, if you had a seven forty score, no income, no assets. They're like, do you have a driver's license and a hundred dollars? You can buy a house. Essentially, that was it. <laughs> I mean, it, I, was, oh, I know. I mean, it was crazy. And I mean, they're really, you know, think about it. This is a huge investment. It's something, you know. People need to be aware of and educated on whether they can or can't do it. Yeah. Absolutely. Ask questions. Call a lender. Call one of us. But it is something that you need to be set up to do instead of just jumping in with no money in your savings account. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like, that's just not smart. Yeah, don't buy a house when you're broke. Yeah. No, I mean, you're setting yourself up for just total failure because there's so many things that come up because if you're renting, chances are... Your water's included. Mm-hmm. Your trash pickup's definitely included. And if there's a problem, you call your landlord you and they the landlord. have to pay for it. You, but you're going to pay more in rent probably than your mortgage. Exactly. So, I mean, and if you own it, it's going up in value or appreciating or building equity versus you're just paying rent and yeah. your money goes away. Yeah. I mean, you're paying a mortgage one way or the other. I mean, if you're paying your own mortgage, it's for savings on your ha- on your own behalf. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, why, why, why pay your landlords? Why do you, why put money aside for your landlords' kids 
to have future tuition, future retirement, why not build that for yourself? Absolutely. I mean, it's just I, I, I don't get it. But I mean, an arm is a way to do it um, is is an option. You know, it's not for everybody. Um, when rates, fixed rate mortgages go up a little bit higher, you'll see the spread between the difference between the arms, the adjustable rates and the fixed rates uh, widen. And when you see that happen, they'll start to become a little bit more attractive. Right now, the fixed rate mortgages are so close. Um, it just it doesn't make sense. When I took my adjustable rate out, there was still a big gap. So it just is what it is. Well, and back to Jimmy's initial question of what is your interest rate? I think mine's like four, three and a quarter, four, four and a quarter. I'm three and a quarter. I bought my house back in 07 uh, at 685. Yeah. Which wasn't bad at that time. No, it, no. Yeah, we're three and a quarter. Okay. Okay, my parents bought a home in the early 90s, 9%. Yeah. When I first got into real estate, rates were like seven, eight, and they went down to six. And, you know, other agents would tell me about, oh, I used to sell them at 15%. I was just yeah. like, what? Yeah. That's crazy. That's when you don't want to be locked in. Absolutely. <laughs> you want to be out. I mean, go out on our website at Money Man Mike uh, on Facebook, uh, Money Man Mike Radio. We have a chart, the uh, rates by decades. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see that, the double digit interest rates. And I was like, holy cow. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember. When I when I started doing this back in uh, early two thousands, which God that seems like forever ago, I mean, it was just like holy cow, seven eight percent, mm-hmm. and that seemed outrageous. And then you goes to six, it goes to six percent, then it goes to five percent, the four percent, and then we're yeah. talking the upper threes, and it's like what? Right. I'm still just mad at myself for not buying more. Well, and I didn't I guess I have the means to, you know, but. Just so many things that have went up so much in value in certain parts of town. And yeah. I'm just like, why didn't I buy everything yeah. I could get my hands on? It, it's it's possibly a blessing in disguise because I've also seen people before when all the loans were available. I know people that went out and they bought everything where there was, like there used to be 100% investor loans. Mm-hmm. And they gobbled up everything they could. And then all of a sudden, the market turned. Mm-hmm. And they got caught. Now I don't not. I'm not saying there is. There's not going to be a market turn. I am not a believer in that. I do not foresee a market turn like like we've seen uh, in the past. But at the same time, they went out, gobbled everything up, and that they could, and they got caught. But if the market market does turn, there's a good chance the banks are going to get nervous, and they're going to need some money. And guess what? They might call out your loan. Yeah. You're like, uh, yeah, I don't have money to pay for these 10 properties I bought. That would be a bad day. Mm-hmm. Be a very bad day. That's why I try to live below my means. It's always best to be that way, man. Keep up with the Jeffersons or Johnsons, whoever it is across the street. The Johnsons. I thought it was the <laughs> Jones. Joneses. Joneses, whoever it is, man. The Jefferson's the- moving on up. <laughs> whoop, whoop, whoop. Dude, I'm just happy. Prince, Nashville, Smashville. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Look how fast he got that. That's a good weird. producer is always prepared. That's awesome. In the sky. Well, I'm moving on. Have Sunday morning sessions up in here. I used to love that show, by the way. George and Wheezy. Mm-hmm. George and Wheezy. So what? let's see. Oh, man, we're almost out of time today. We it, didn't even go into any lingo. I, I know. I was about like to say. Quiz me or something. Or. Industry lingo. Mm-hmm. Uh, down payment. 
What's that mean to you guys? It's money you put down to purchase a house. Right. And it's not 20%. Doesn't have to be 20. I actually just answered that question to somebody the other day. And aren't there 5% conventional loans? 3%. Okay. 3% conventional loans, and it can be gift money, 100% gift money. Okay. Um, any money that you give in earnest money, does that go towards your uh, does that go towards your purchase? Yes. What about um, uh, why do you need pre-approval? To buy a house and look stable, <laughs> to have <laughs> a shot when you write the offer, <laughs> to make sure you can pay the loan back. I don't know. The pre-approval is something you should always have ahead of time before you even start writing offers on houses. That may not have been the case a million years ago, but these days when you're writing offers and left and right, and they want to see it. I want to know that you're approved before I'm really going to consider your offer when there's five other ones. Yeah, it's kind of like going to the, uh, the department store and, and J.C. Penny going, yeah, I want to buy this $500 worth of clothes, but I don't know. I didn't bring my credit card. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Let me sign for it. Yeah, just trust me. Yeah, yeah. I'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow. Tomorrow. Is FHA the best loan for a uh, first-time home buyer? Not always, no. Why? Well, if you can go conventional and not have to pay mortgage insurance and you have enough money down. When do you need mortgage insurance? When you don't have a certain amount to put down and your loan is a higher risk than you're required to pay mortgage insurance. Dang, look at Andrew up what? in here. Because they don't want you walking away from the loan. That's why they do the mortgage insurance, right? Well, it's like an extra precaution. Mm -hmm. So it's just a little bit extra to help them secure your backing you. And that's why I guess they set it at 20%. They figure, hey, if you're going to put that much money down, you're probably not going to walk away from it. <laughs> Wrong. But, I mean, that's <laughs> but why they yes, come up with that yeah, number, right? Yes, that way. Yes. Yeah. From, from, yeah. For our conversation, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, MI is typically required. Actually, no, MI is required anytime that you do not put more than or you do not put down 20%. And basically, MI, mortgage insurance, is nothing more than an insurance policy that you as a buyer are financing on behalf of the mortgage company to insure the loan in case you default. Okay, here's a question. Andrew could probably answer this one. What type of loan could you put 20% down on and still have to pay PMI? And that's mortgage insurance. 20% down and still have to pay it? Mm-hmm. Boom, that's a good question. I don't know the answer to that, but that's the loan I got. <laughs> I don't I know. I found out at closing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I found out at closing, and I'm like, uh, that's why I put 20% down. What, what loan do I hate? And what loan do I, I – I shouldn't say I hate. What loan do I try to discourage people from the most? I shouldn't say it that way either. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> FHA. FHA. FHA MI is required for the life of the loan. Actually, if you – if you put down three and a half percent, you have twenty percent down. You're not going FHA anyway. Not necessarily. There are buyers, and that's that's where the rules are funky, man. That's why you need a good lender to know your options. That's true, but I mean, we still have situations where you have twenty percent down, and you still have to go FHA, and you still have to pay mortgage insurance, which mm. stinks. Yeah, boy. But Is that man, because of your credit rate. It's not credit. It's the way you qualify. It's something in your income history. There's all sorts of unique scenarios with the rules and so yeah. forth. Ask a lender that knows. Call Money Man, Mike. We'll get you hooked up, man. But yeah, if you can get a conventional loan, that's always your lowest cost option. Always, always, always. Hey, you've been listening to the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. We got to get out of here. Uh, Go, Prince. Hey, don't take my line. 
Check us out online, moneymanmike.net, uh, and Facebook, Money Man Mike Radio. Go Preds.